You know, it was about four years ago that Julie and I were at the C3 conference in Dallas with our family and friends, Ed and Lisa Young. And the C3 conference is a church conference. It's a leadership conference that also doubles really as a family reunion. And at this family reunion, somebody said to Julie and me, they said, Mac, you need to meet Debbie Lee. She, she runs America's Mighty Warriors. And I said, great, I'd be happy to. And there, there was something that happened in that moment when Julie and I met Debbie that God just knit our hearts together. She has literally become like family to our church, but also to our family in particular. Um, the last time she was here, actually, was the weekend that Emily was graduating high school. Debbie went to Emily's graduation dinner with our whole family. So she knows way more than she ever bargained for about the Richard family and Lake Hills Church. But Debbie is a phenomenal, phenomenal woman of God. Her son, Mark Allen Lee, was the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq in 2006. And it was in the aftermath of that that Debbie founded America's Mighty Warriors to serve and, and literally to minister to Gold Star families. Gold Star families are those who have lost loved ones on the battlefield on our behalf. But not only does America's Mighty Warriors serve those Gold Star families, they also serve veterans and families. And we'll, I'm going to let Debbie share more of her story with you. But I want to ask you if you will help me in giving a massive stand to your feet Lake Hills Church welcome for family, Debbie Lee. Thank you, thank you. I told you. Wow. Family, you're all, stuck with us at this point. That's, that's a good thing, that's a good thing. I love coming here, and I love, well, thank you. you know, like you said, you guys really are family to yeah, us. And yeah, well, and you know, y'all don't know this, I didn't know it at first either. Debbie literally moved heaven and earth to be here this week, and I asked her months ago if she would come in on Memorial Day weekend, and she said, oh yeah, I'm going to actually be in Texas before that, and that'll be great, and what she didn't realize at the time was how many things were going to be piled into this weekend, so Debbie, thank you for making the time to be here with us this weekend. We really do appreciate it. It's awesome it. to be here. I got a pretty tight connection up there, so <laughs> heaven and earth isn't too difficult to move. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, listen, I want to talk about Mark and America's Mighty Warriors in a minute. Tell us a little bit just about you and your background, because we were talking before the service that you didn't really grow up in a military family, and Memorial Day wasn't, you know, it, it was the end of school and pools and mattress sales and all that kind of stuff. It really was. No, and he's, he's right, but the sad part of that is that's what most of America yeah. thinks. Yeah. They don't understand what Memorial Day is and what it is not. This is not Veterans Day. I love our veterans. Sure. And I let them know every time I see them how proud I am of them, and I thank them, and we support them. But this is not the time when, as a nation, we come together and honor our veterans. That's Veterans Day. We have Armed Forces Day for those that are currently serving. This is the time that we reflect and we remember those who died in the battlefields, as you said, for the freedoms we enjoy every day. I wasn't taught that as a kid. Uh, you know, it was, we got out the Friday before Memorial Day. We didn't go two weeks into June. And that signaled summer's here, 
the pools opened, you know, we knew that we could count on a good picnic or barbecue with our, you know, extended family. And I had twin sisters that died shortly after childbirth. We'd go put flowers on their graves. My grandmother, we'd go visit her grave. Yeah. None of them served in the military. And we weren't taught what it's about. We weren't taught to reflect on those who pay the price for the freedoms that we enjoy every day. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I became adult and got older and started to realize, wait a minute, and then really after Mark died, when I started, I mean, every day for me is Memorial Day, as yeah. I remember Mark, but, and not that I walk around with no, solemn no. faces, and I'm not asking people to do that on Memorial Day weekend, but we need to purpose to find that time to reflect and remember those. There are amazing documentaries that are on TV about our fallen. Yeah. There's great books you can read, and we need to take that sphere of influence that we have and educate our family, our friends, those that we know as to what the real meaning of Memorial Day. When people come to me and say, happy Memorial Day, yeah. I, I cringe. I want to say, okay, so my son who gave his life for freedoms, you want to be happy? Right. Right. I mean, I am proud of Mark. Do not sure. get me wrong. But it's not happy. This is not. This it's is honor, yes. It's remember. Reflection. It's honor. Respect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And even in a solemn manner. And again, not that your entire weekend. I want you to walk around with solemn faces. Right. But please, purpose to take time and honor and remember. Go to a cemetery. If you know Gold Star family, reach out to them. Let them know. You will never forget. Yeah. Take them to lunch. Offer to go to the cemetery with them. Place flowers. You know, I got a picture earlier today. Someone that was at Mark's grave is putting flowers there. I'm like, thank you, because I'm in Texas and I can't yeah. be there. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, when you, when you understand what Memorial Day really is, you know, there, there's actually, there was a law passed in the early, I think it was in 2000, actually, that sets 3 p.m., on yes. Memorial Day as a moment where our nation is to remember, yes. to, to be still, to be quiet. And I don't know how many people actually observe that. I didn't realize that until yeah. just this week, but it's 3 p.m. on Monday. That doesn't mean that time in the pool or with barbecue or family or any of that stuff's bad. Right. But it just means to keep in mind what's actually going on and what Memorial Day really is all about. Exactly. Now, I didn't have the opportunity or the privilege to know Mark, but I've gotten to know some of You'll his You'll meet buddies. him one day. Yeah, I will. <laughs> You're right about that. Um, but I've gotten to meet some of his team members mm -hmm. and some of those people, and universally, they say he was a special breed of cat. Um, but I'm curious, as a mom, looking back, obviously you didn't, like when he was born, you didn't say, I'm going to make him a Navy SEAL. But was there something inside of him that you can look back and go, okay, that makes sense now. I saw that in him as, as a child and, as gro and growing up that became a Navy SEAL. Yeah, when um, at the age of 23, I went through a divorce. Okay. Um, their father was very abusive and almost killed me twice. And uh, so the day I went and filed for divorce, it was final. They said, if we're going to save this woman, we've got to make the divorce final now. Wow. I had a three-year-old, an 18-month-old, and two weeks later found out I was pregnant with Mark. So my Hold goal... Hold on just a second. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No. Won't let... You had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, 18-month-old, and two weeks later found, found out Mark was, was coming. Mark. Yeah. So I didn't have high aspirations. I was Navy hoping... SEAL's got nothing on this woman. I mean, forget buds. Forget, uh, you know, a lot of time in the ocean, whatever. 
Golly, Debbie. So my goals for my kids were as long as nobody's dealing drugs, nobody's pregnant at 18, and nobody's been killed in a drive-by shooting, I'm good. <laughs> but that, so, I mean, it's funny now. It, it is, but that, but was that, really, that yeah. really was reality. His, the family, their father's family, that was... Wheels off. That's what happened. Yeah. That literally was, you know, one of the nephews was killed in a drive-by shooting. Kids yeah. were into drugs. Their father, you know, was into drugs. Um, but I was not going to quit. I had a long road ahead of me, and I was not going to give up. My kids were not, we were not going to live on welfare. Um, didn't have any support from their father. Sometimes I worked three jobs to be able to get through. But it's those perseverance and yeah. not quit was what, you know, the kids lived. You yeah. know, they saw yeah. that. So that's what they learned. Um, Mark was the youngest of my three kids and was always pushing the envelope. I think he was <laughs> like, hello, somebody look at me, you know. Yeah. And um, so it doesn't surprise me, you know, that he would one-up the rest of the family. You know, my uh, oldest son went in the Marines in May of 2000. Um, my son-in-law went in the Army in October 2000. Mark went in the Navy in May of 2001 with a contract out of the recruiter's office to go to Bud's. Wow. Doesn't guarantee you'll be a SEAL, but it says you're strong enough and you look like a good candidate, so as soon as you get your basic, you get to go to Bud's. Wow. So he started BUDS almost day one in the Navy after basic and all those kind of things. But let me ask you this question. When he was going through BUDS, how much contact did you have with him? Um, I had some, some. contact. I mean, especially like Hell Week, they don't have phone privileges. Right. So you don't talk to him during that week and you're on Excuse pins me, and I'm needles. Excuse me, I'm going to call my mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know, that doesn't work too well. And I'm not one of those hovering moms right. anyway. Right. Um, you know, we talk once a week. You know, maybe every other week. I would bet, Debbie, you, you know a lot more of the team members and guys and their families than I do. I would bet not a lot of Navy SEALs have helicopter moms. I'm just guessing. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> just, that's just there, a thought There I are a few. Are there really? Oh, yeah. There's been stories of the moms parking outside the fence watching them. And, yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Yeah. <laughs> But I would not do that to my no children. Yes. Way. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few crazy. There's always a few crazies in everything. Do those guys get through? Uh, yeah, I think some of them did, but they were a little, you know, like, Mom, knock it off. <laughs> you know? Mom, seriously. So, yes. Don't come on the base. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I, I'm sorry. Story. That was a total digression. I yes. apologize. No, 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 no. That's fine. So, um, I think we've got a picture of you and Mark. Uh, on the obstacle course. Yes, that was right after he was graduated. Was he a good-looking kid or what? Golly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so proud. Now, that picture, that's the same picture. It does have his trident on there now. They don't get their trident right after they complete BUDS. Okay. They still have more training to go through, but that's the... If you get through BUDS you're and pretty, Hell Week, yeah, yeah, you're pretty sure you're going to commit and you're going to get your, your trident, but... Um, we had that picture at the funeral, and one of the seals came up and said, "That's not right. He doesn't have his trident on there." So he took his trident off and put it on Mark's picture. Mark was the first wow. one where they ever put tridents on the caskets. Was he really? He was the first one that they started that with. Wow. Yeah. I remember seeing that in um, in the movie American Sniper about Chris Kyle, mm -hmm. and. When that movie came out, we had already met. Mm -hmm. And I, so I knew a lot about Mark and knew, obviously, Julian, I knew you so well. And I, I remember thinking that was a, it was a great characterization mm -hmm. of Chris and his family and yes. who he was. And 
And, I, and listen, I love Clint Eastwood. They so grossly misrepresented Mark in that movie. If you've seen American Sniper, great movie, horrible characterization of who Mark Lee was and as far as his belief in the mission and what they were doing in Iraq and all that kind of thing. It was very horrifically Hollywooded up. And if you see Clint Eastwood, you tell him I said that. But <laughs> uh, I, actually, there are people a lot tougher than I am who have told him. Yeah. I know. Yes. Um, but but Mark, Mark was absolutely a true believer. And they, they deployed to Ramadi yes. in, in April of 2006, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Now, Debbie, help us to understand because, you know, 2006 is yesterday and a lifetime ago all yeah. at the same time. Tell us a little bit about Ramadi in 2006 and what Chris and his team went into there. So the, his teammates said that was the hellhole of Iraq or the worst piece of real estate over there. The majority of our casualties were coming out of Ramadi at that time. Um, some of the stories the guys tell me of driving down Route Michigan, which is the main um, drag, they were told, do not go in there. Yeah. You, you will lose men. Do not go in there. And um, a lot of the conventional forces that were there, the Marines and the Army, and, you know, there were certain parts they wouldn't go into. And if any of you know Jocko Willink or follow Jocko, he was their task unit commander. You know, and that's kind of like, I'm a strong-willed, you know, don't tell me not to do something because <laughs> right. then I'm going to say no. And yeah. he said, no, we've got to go in there. That's the area. And they literally, that's when it started to turn around in Ramadi. And that's wasn't when that the, the, that was Al-Qaeda Iraq yes, at the sir. time that later became ISIS. They, they, were, they were kind of Al-Qaeda on crack. I mean, they were even more Al-Qaeda than Al-Qaeda and later became ISIS, who was even more brutal and just yeah. and, it, and part of that, I call it the flavor of the month because yeah. the terrorists change, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, their, their philosophies are exactly the same, but once they get caught somewhere, they move to, you know, people have said, why were we in Iraq? And I said, well, because the terrorists went there. You know, right. they're in Yemen, they're in Syria, they go wherever and they just kind of rebrand themselves, but their philosophy and their evil hearts does yeah. not change. Yeah. And it's not something that you can negotiate with. No. I mean, there, there's really not a, not a diplomatic answer yeah. to that brand of evil and terror, yeah. as you said. Yeah. We've got a couple of pictures of Mark. One, I think right before he deployed, yep. dude, was he big? <laughs> he bowed up during buds, didn't he? So the kids' father was shorter than me. So, oh, really? you know, usually you want to be taller than dad. Yeah, they want <laughs> Yeah, they want to be taller than mom. Mark's the only one that got to be taller than me. So How tall was Mark? He was about 6'1 and about 220. 220. Yep. Dude, so. and then this next picture, this was actually on the ground in That's Ramadi. That's in Ramadi, correct? on patrol in Ramadi. How would you like to see that coming at you in the middle of the night? <laughs> Well, and look Lee. look at the, how he's holding the gun. That's the big gun. Right, The right. guys said they took bets. He was the new guy on the platoon. So in the movie, they portray him as Chris's officer because they were trying to show how close Chris and Mark were. But he was, in fact, the new guy on the platoon. Right. So the new guys get picked on unmercifully. You're not welcomed into the fold. You're purposely. And they said three days. Mark won their hearts. Right. And they're like, but they took bets. And they said, ah, yeah, we'll give him three days. He'll be carrying that gun with a sling. Never did. Wow. Never did. I love the story that um, Leif Babin tells. When Mark got to this team, he, he walked in the door and bragged that nobody had ever choked him out. Not too and smart. so his teammates <laughs> choked Took him out. Took care of that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they this were. is what SEALs do for fun. This is just, this is just recreation yeah. for Navy yeah. SEALs. But Choke that, him out. That was just that. 
Yeah. He was so confident in who he was. Yeah. And he knew he what he was inviting when yes. he said, yeah. He knew, he knew, but it's like, well, might as well get it out of the way because it's going to happen <laughs> sooner or later. But yeah, that was him. And the other picture that you showed um, was actually of Mark on the tarmac just before they deployed for Iraq. And the plane had broke down. They'd all boarded the plane, and the uh, Admiral had given them their pep talk, you know, before they went in there. And at the end of it, he said, you know, I just want you guys to know um, you're not here for me. I'm here for you. So wow. if any of you want to come talk to me or you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. These men would rather go into combat than talk to an admiral. Right. And so as they were sitting there on the tarmac waiting for the plane to be repaired, Mark went up to the admiral. Of course, the admiral told us this, you know, after Mark had died. And as, as he's telling me Mark came to talk to me, I'm thinking, okay, Mark had a crazy sense of humor. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. What, what did he say? And he said, well, he told us, we need air conditioning on the Humvees. <laughs> And I'm like, but. While I have your attention, Admiral. Yes. Yeah, while we're here. I've been to Iraq twice. It is hotter than Hades, I think, over there. I've never been to Hades. but, um, <laughs> And it's crucial for these guys to be on their mission. When they're out in these vehicles long, for long hours, they've got to be prepared once they get out to go into battle. Yep. And the Admiral said, ma'am, because of your son, they now have air conditioning. Wow. Wow. So. That's cool. Do you, by any chance, remember what Admiral that was? That would have been Admiral McGuire. McGuire, okay. Yes. I didn't know if it was Admiral McGraven me. who ended up here in Austin. Yeah, no. Um, but I, I do know God's Admiral favorite university. As well, but yes. Yeah. There you go. Um, so Debbie, so he's in Ramadi in April of 2006. Um, tell us about the mission when when Mark passed. Yeah, so it was August 2nd, 2006. Um, you know, for us in Arizona or Texas, where you guys are at, August is a yeah. Heck of a hot month, but um, especially over there in Ramadi, it was 115, 120 degrees that day. And they had been in intense firefight for two hours. American Sniper doesn't even come close to yeah. showing what the firefight was like. And uh, as I said, Mark carried the big gun. So he carried anywhere from 150 to 180 pounds in addition to his own weight. How you do that in those extreme temperatures for that long is beyond me. And they were... Um, on a rooftop, and Ryan's buddy, Ryan, had been severely injured. The bullets had hit the weapon, so he had severe shrapnel injuries to the head. Mm. And uh, he dropped to the ground. Two of the SEALs made that same choice to drop to their knees to help Ryan. Mark could have made that very same choice that day. But his choice was to stand up in the direct line of fire right where Ryan had just been shot. And uh, they didn't have a medic up there, so he was hoping they could get the medic up to get Ryan help. He had the big gun. He knew he could lay down some suppressive fire. It wasn't like he had a suicide, you know, right, right. missions or thought. And uh, they did. The medic got up there and took one look at Ryan and said, we got to get him out of here immediately or there's no chance for survival. So not once, but then a second time. Mark did that very same thing. Stood up in the line of fire again all by himself. I mean, he's got the big gun, so he knows he can lay down lots of rounds. And they all successfully got down off the roof and sent Ryan off for medical attention. They climbed in their Bradleys and... They headed back to the base, which I'm proud to tell you was named Camp Markley in his memory. And mm -hmm. my first trip to Iraq, I got to visit Camp Markley. Wow. Brought back some of the soil from that base. But um, we have watched our Navy SEALs do some absolutely amazing things. And yeah. at times they seem superhuman to us. But those are my boys. That's my adoptive family. And I can tell you, they're just as real as you or I are. And yeah. Chris Kyle t later told me they got back to the base and... They were sure there was no way Mark or Ryan survived his injuries. Right. And uh, 
they were taking their gear off and getting some water to refresh themselves. And the chief came in. He said, we just found 30 of those insurgents that just attacked us. And without hesitation, Mark said, roger that. Let's go get them. They didn't have to do that. They right. completed their mission. They're, the other <clears throat> side of them was a Marine base. They could have said, go get some Marines that are fresh. Send them out there. Yeah. But that's not who these guys are. Yeah. And they went back into that godforsaken place. They cleared several houses and went in the last house Mark would be in. And they cleared the bottom of the house and they started up the steps. And they heard him yell, on me. And if you served, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I got the lead on this. You guys follow me. And as they went up those steps, they drew fire through a window. And for the last and final time, Mark made that choice again yeah. to turn into the line of fire. He didn't run from it. He didn't duck below the wall. He stood in the line of fire and gave his life to save his teammates. Um, he gave his life for the freedoms that we enjoy yeah. every day in America. And that selflessness is, is something that most of us will never be asked to do. Most of us wouldn't be able to do. And uh, I, I was married a second time, and um, he died 24 years ago. And that's when my faith in God really started growing. God promises to be a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. And I would dig and say, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? And um, there's a verse that says he promises to be a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. And I'd seen him do that over and over. Yeah. My kids had come to me and they'd say, Mom, we need to know what's, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? What wisdom? And I'm like, half the time I didn't know. <laughs> we were just trying to survive. But I knew who did have the answers. Yeah. And so my kids would often hear me tell them, go ask your daddy. And they knew that meant to be on their knees or in the word seeking for God's wisdom. Yeah. And so I tell people, it's no surprise what Mark did followed in his daddy's footsteps. Christ laid down his life for us for an eternity. Mark gave his life for the freedoms that we enjoy here in America. So that day, August the 2nd, 2006, you're in Arizona. Yeah. Did you get a phone call? I did get a phone call. Um, Mark had actually died earlier in that morning, and they had deployed. They have a Keiko team that's a SEAL community that goes for the SEAL families. And I uh, raised my kids up in Oregon, had moved to Arizona just before Mark deployed. And I know he changed the address. He called me, got the new information. And again, I see God's hand of protection on me, even at that detail that would seem like it was a mess up but they'd been looking for me for about eight hours. And finally, the neighbor up there said, she don't live here anymore, she lives in Arizona. And at this point, they're afraid I'm gonna find out on the so news. So they were trying to reach you in they Oregon. They were up in Oregon. Okay. And uh, so finally, they realized that I'm in Arizona and somehow got that address. And uh, I was at my Bible study at my small group, and my son, Christopher, called. And we'd actually been celebrating my birthday that night. It had been the week before, but we didn't gather as a small group. and so. Um, after our meeting, we had cake and ice cream, and my girlfriend had given me one of the willow tree angels, and those are the wooden angels with wire wings, and um, each one has a character quality, and the one she gave me was courage. Mm -hmm. And she said, you just remind me of such a woman of courage with all you've been through in your life, and you still love God, and you're still positive. And 
little did we know how much more courage was going to be required in that next half hour. My oldest son, Christopher, called me. He was the one that had to call me and let me know when my husband died. And he said, uh, hey, Mom, he wasn't crying. He wasn't freaked out. He wasn't talking too fast. Nothing to alert me in his voice that something was wrong. He was a Marine. Yeah, he was a, <laughs> once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. And not he was. He still is. But, um, and uh, he said, oh, I said, Wednesday night, I'm a small group. Why, what's up? He said, how long will it take you to get home? And I thought, well, that's kind of a odd question. I said, I don't know, five minutes, seven minutes. Why, what's up? He said, you just need to come home. And I knew when Mark left that he wouldn't be coming back home. I'm not a worrier. I'm not a fretter. That is just not my personality. But something in my heart, I don't know if God was trying to prepare me. I don't know how you ever prepare for that news. And, uh, so after I hung up the phone from him and I grabbed my purse and I said, please be praying, something's not right. And I got in my car and there was a song from my past that said, I put my hope in you, O Lord. Trusting you, I will not be shaken. Knowing that you will see me through, I put my hope in you. And I just sang that song over and over and over. And I got to the main intersection by my house and there was probably four or five fire trucks and three or four ambulances and police cars. The whole intersection was blocked off. And as I approached that intersection, I'm like, my house blew up. That's all that's wrong. My house blew up. <laughs> Trust me, I would much rather have lost everything that I owned here on earth and still have Mark. But as I got back into the subdivision, there were no more emergency vehicles, so I knew what was going to face me when I got home. And I turned the corner to my house, expecting to see a black car parked out there. And there were no black cars, no unusual cars at all. They'd parked down the street. And my oldest son, Christopher, was on the sidewalk just pacing back and forth. And I got out and he said, Mom, the Navy's here. And you know when you're a military family, if your loved one's injured, they're going to call you and get you to them. And so we knew even though they hadn't said anything. And I just grabbed him on his shoulder and said, no, no. And we walked in the house and they'd been trying to find me for about an hour. And so the Keiko officer and the chaplain had been in my house. And they said, we can tell by being in your house, you're a woman of faith. And you're going to need to rely on that faith for what we're about to tell you. Your son, Mark Allen Lee, has been killed in combat. And that's the toughest news you could ever receive as a parent. Yet at that very moment, I had confidence in God. He was still the same God on August 2nd as he was on August 1st. His character hadn't changed. My circumstances had drastically changed, but God's character hadn't. He would got me through death before. I knew he would get me through this. I knew it would be much harder losing my son than my husband. And uh, as we sat there and, and tried to process what Mark had done and and, you know, we'd cry and talk. And I looked outside, and my small group was standing outside on the street. I'm like, get in here. <laughs> like, I need you yeah. in here, not out there. Well, the military had told the other neighbor, don't let anybody else come in. And so they came in, and, you know, we cried and prayed and talked about Mark and cried more. And uh, my oldest son, Christopher, was there with me, obviously, when we were notified. And they stayed till about midnight, and then everybody left. And my son, Chris, had, was the Marine, met his wife in Japan. She'd gone back home for six weeks. And uh, he said, Mom, I'm going to stay here tonight. I said, thank you, son. And he said, I'm going to try to get some sleep. I said, okay. And I knew there was no way sleep was going to be an option for me that night. And as he went to bed, and I was there by myself, and I just wanted somebody to 
told me, tell me it would be okay. And as a widow, you don't have anybody there. And uh, the thought came, yeah, the Holy Spirit's my comforter. That's where my comfort's going to come from. I don't care who you are. You can be a super saint spiritual person, but that is just not normal to open your Bible at a time like that. Like I said, it was by default. I didn't have anybody else there. And as I went and um, opened my Bible, literally opened to Psalms 27, and it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, and I'm like, wait, am I not reading Psalms that was written by David thousands of years ago? This could have been written today for my circumstances. And the second to last verse says, I would have lost hope if I'd not believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And I'm like, oh, there's that courage thing again. <laughs> and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I close my Bible, and I started crying. I, if God would have physically been sitting next to me, I would not have felt his presence any closer. And yet crying, knowing the deepest pain that I'd ever known. And as I sat there in my thoughts, he said, I want you to read this at Mark's funeral. I want you to give everybody else the same hope that I've given you. I was a rebel in my 20s. <laughs> God says he hates seven things. I did six of them. I was faithful in my marriage. You can go look at the rest of them because I'm not going to go into it. But if I've, if I've learned anything, it's when God asks me to do something, do it. Yeah. It may not make any sense. I may not feel like I'm equipped for it, but God asks you to do something. There's a reason he's got a plan. And uh, I'm sure it's kind of like a teenager that rolled my eyes and went, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> And then I paused and I said, okay, God, I'll walk through whatever doors you open, thinking it just meant to read that at Mark's funeral and I'd be good. I could check the box and said I obeyed. Yeah. I had no idea the places God would take me or the people would he'd have me speak before. I was not a public speaker. Terrified. Terrified. Really? I had a preschool and kindergarten for 15 years. We do two programs. There's 200 people in the audience. It's the parents, the grandparents. These kids can do no wrong. You right. know, it's cute. <laughs> I would hold the microphone like this, trying to keep it from bouncing, because I was terrified. Two weeks before, my kids were like, oh, the program's coming. Mom's going to be a looney tune for two weeks. <laughs> and God has given me such strength and confidence, not in myself, because this is not anything I've gone to school to do or speak. This is God working through me. And I, I can't tell you, I mean, it's still difficult. You know, sure. the first service, I was sitting there crying, watching the angel flight video and hearing taps. I still can't get through taps without yeah. crying. But God doesn't waste pain. Mm. And the things that he has done around the world and is still doing because of Mark and who he was, and as we share his story, and the compassion and passion he's given me for our veterans and for our Gold Star families, and the support and amazing board that we have that you serve on, Mac, it's... Um, and the, the, the people yeah. who love what we're doing and support us. I mean, I see God's hand every single day. But I think that's such an incredible, that's, that's such a universal law, Debbie, about how God operates. God doesn't waste pain. And, you know, Second Corinthians says he is the God of all comfort. Mm -hmm. And 
we will comfort with the same yes. comfort we have been given. Yes. And obviously you needed a, a depth of comfort that no one would ever ask for. But then God has leveraged that into so many different lives through America's Mighty Warriors. Talk a little bit about how America's Mighty Warriors started, because that wasn't that wasn't something that you had dreamed about no. doing. That was just one of those things that God literally put on yeah. your plate, and you said, "All right, yeah. let's go." So um, seven weeks after Mark died, we lost Mikey Monsoor. So Task Unit Bruiser was Mark's task unit. Um, Charlie Platoon and Delta Platoon. Um, Mikey was a Medal of Honor recipient, fell on a grenade. And uh, Mark's Lieutenant Leif, which was the last time Mark stood in the line of fire was to save Leif, called and he said, Mama Leah, I've got something I need to tell you. We don't want you to hear this on the news. And uh, he said, there's been an explosion and Mikey's taken the brunt of it. And I knew at that point, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I'm only seven weeks in the grieving process. Yeah. Two weeks after my husband died, I wrote, what's wrong with me? Why am I still crying? Why have things not got back to normal? I had no clue, but this time I knew. Yeah. And it's a process, grief doesn't happen quickly. But I knew I needed to be there and just be there. We didn't have any other, you know, gold star parents that were well, there. Well, if, you, if you're ever homes. around Debbie, I, very rarely do I hear anybody say, hi, Debbie. It is almost always Mama Lee <laughs> because the teams have adopted her and she has adopted the teams and so every single time, if I, if I meet somebody and I say, hey, do you know Debbie Lee? And like, Mama Lee. <laughs> so they, they've adopted you as yes, well. Yes, yes. But um, absolutely amazing to be part of that community, yeah. to be part of that family. Mark tried to explain the brotherhood to, thing to me. You know, I'd like, yeah, I get it. You're close to these guys. You trained hard with them. You went into <laughs> combat with them. But as close as your brother you grew up with for 28 years? And he's like, yes, Mom, that yeah. close. And we had five of them in our home the week after Mark died and the, the light went on. I saw yeah. that those were Mark's brothers, that they loved him as much as we did and they were hurting just as much well, as and we I've, were. Well, I've had the opportunity to see that. If, if a phone call is received, the whole community, the world stops turning yeah. and everybody yeah. is there with that family. Yeah, very much so. We, so we don't leave a man behind. Yeah, 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 or family. Right. Um, so America's Mighty Warriors really kind of started as a concept around Mikey Mansoor's yes. funeral with his family. Yeah. And so I went there to support them. Um, grief is still very fresh. They put that family up at the same hotel we stayed at for Mark's funeral. Um, he's buried in the same cemetery as Mark. Same vehicles, you know, I don't know the exact same vehicle, but black Suburbans that picked him up. And as I'm there at the hospital, at the hospital, yeah, it felt like a hospital at the hotel, um, came downstairs and gave his mom a big hug. Of course, she'd been at Mark's funeral. I didn't remember yeah. that, but she'd been there. To, um, but her son was still alive at the time. And uh, as the command came down, they said, we want you in that vehicle. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not about Mark. This yeah. is not about me. This we're honoring. And they said, yes, exactly. We want you to go to be support. <laughs> I'm like, okay, got it. I'm getting in. But when we got to the, the cemetery and got out, and there was Mikey's casket, the exact same casket with the flag draped over it. And literally, you could have cut me open, and that wound again was so fresh. But to be there and to support one another means so much. Yep. And I always tell people, if you're dealing with somebody with grief, just go be there. <clears throat> people are worried about, what do I say? What do I not say? Just be there. Yep. Be there for them. 
And uh, Mark's letter, letter that he wrote about two and a half weeks before he was killed uh, literally has impacted millions and millions of lives around the world. Yep. And uh, as I read that letter a little bit more, I'm like, wow, we could honor Mark by doing those random acts of kindness that he talks about. Um, I would just happen to be in Washington, D.C. when another wounded seal came in, you know, face blown off or legs blown off. And I was like, okay, God, uh, maybe a slow lunar, but goodness, you kind of want me to do this all the time. And uh, did it for about two years out of my own funding. And then went, okay, I, I, you know, I can't yeah. keep this up. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not a wealthy woman, so I don't have unlimited funds. And started the foundation about 2008. And uh, Mark's letter inspired us, you know, to do that, obviously. God was the reason that sure. pushed us to do that. But. Well, and I think that's one of the things that is important for our family to know that America's Mighty Warriors is a 501c3 that helps anyone, and it's absolutely a ministry it born is. out of your it, faith in Christ yes. and, and what God did in your life getting you through that. Um, talk a little bit about the Gold Star Families Retreat because that comes up, that starts tomorrow. It does. Julie and I will be there. It's at Alasso Ranch up in East Texas in Hawkins with Fellowship Church. Um, talk a little bit about what that week does and, and what it's like, because I think it's fascinating. You know, over the last few years, as the SEALs profile has risen and, and they've become more visible and public and everything, their families, as you can imagine, there are a lot of people who want stuff from them and, and they're asking for things. Yeah. And so a lot of these families, when they get to this camp, you can, you can see their guard is up and, and completely understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of like... Their body language shares it all, yes. Yeah, and to say nothing of the grief that they're going yes. through. Um, but it's fascinating to watch over hours, and maybe for some a day or day and a half, couple of days, the defenses yeah. kind of start to come down, and they realize the only reason anybody is there for them is to be there for them. Yes. You know, they get manicures and pedicures, massages. They can float the lazy river or play in the pool or fish or, or do whatever and horseback ride, all those things that or are at that nothing. retreat sound, or do nothing. It's not, we don't have a regiment. We're like, okay, now you're going to this conference. Now you're going to this meeting. Now you're going to do art therapy. Now you've got to do, it's whatever they want to but do. But they're we surrounded by people who them. are going through the same thing yes. they're going through. Yeah. And like you said, they're just there together. Yeah. And I feel like grief needs to be a natural process, please. And I've been to events like this and it may work for some people, but don't put me in a room give me a teddy bear and tell me to tell Mark's story and then pass it around and have every person in there. We're all going to be blubbering idiots when we get done. We're going to be in pain. If I'm having a good day, let me have my good yeah, day. Yeah. If we're sitting at a table and sharing a meal and you're like, so what do you do on Mark's birthday? How do you handle that? You know, what yeah. do you do at Christmas? It's a natural, you know, not forced. Yeah. And I think that's the part of that hesitation because they've been to other events like that where yeah. they're forced into art therapy or, you know, what does this broken face mean to you? Oh, it's a broken face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I remember the very first one we did, we didn't have the funding to fly families in. And so it was mostly local Texas families. And literally at the registration table, the, they're all pretty much standing with their arms crossed. By the time they la left, they were all embracing yeah. each other. We're grateful for what they've done. Once they've left there, they've established relationships with other Gold Star families uh, that they stay in touch with, you know, in the middle of the night when they feel like they can't make it anymore. They know who to pick up the phone and who to call. And Which is also part support. of the healing process yes. that starts there, yep. but then they've got those phone numbers. They've got those yes. relationships started, yep. and all of that 
is born out of Debbie's heart and, and what America's Mighty Warriors is all about. That's also, in case you didn't know, when you turned in the parking lot today, that's what all of those flags are for. You know, as a church, we, we sold out. We sold those flags that are, I'm sure they're all made in America, but they're like 39 cents a piece. Um, but every dime of proceeds goes to America's Mighty Warriors. So we're out of flags, but if you want to make a donation after the service to America's Mighty Warriors, there's a table and a booth out front underneath the porch. Debbie will be out there um, as well. But this is a ministry of Lake Hills Church. This is a relationship between America's Mighty Warriors and Lake Hills Church, Mac and Julie Richard and Debbie Lee and her family. All of us, we are literally in this together. And so, you know, when I called Debbie way back when and said, can you come and be here? She's like, yeah. And then as we kept talking a little closer, she's like, Mac, there's a lot going on. So um, I want to ask you, if you will, just one more time, join me in saying to family, thanks for coming to visit. Debbie Lee. Thank you. I'm going to ask you, if you will, remain standing for just a moment. Uh, I pray you have a phenomenal Memorial Day. I really pray you have a deeper, more profound understanding of it than you've ever had before in your life. And um, I think it's really important, Debbie and I didn't touch on this, but one of the things that America's Mighty Warriors does over and over and over again through their random acts of kindness is to provide help and support for vets who come home and are struggling with PTSD. One of the things that contributes to PTSD not being cured is the divisiveness of our nation. These men and women go to war on our behalf and they develop a love and a bond with each other that nothing can surpass in the human realm. But then when they come home and they find Americans who don't go to Lake Hills Church being ugly to one another, divisive, polarized, it causes them to question, what were we fighting for? Why was I over there? So you and I can help as we interact with each other. It's fine if we disagree. I hope and pray we, you know, we've got a lot of different political views, apolitical views and all those kind of things. Hold your convictions dearly and tightly, but do it kindly. Remember that we represent Jesus before we ever ride a donkey or an elephant. And what we are about as the bride of Christ is more important than politics. And we will help those who serve on our behalf, those who come home and they struggle because of what they waded through on our behalf. This is part of our calling as the bride of Christ to be a part of the renewing of this world that God has called us to, that we are a part of. So, man, I, I, I hope you've got strong political convictions. But if you're ever snotty about it, don't tell anybody you go to church here. <laughs> I 
I love you. And I love getting to do this with you. And I pray that you have a phenomenal Memorial Day weekend. And I pray that you and I will continue to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. And that when we walk out of here today, we'll remember it and we'll act like it. Let's pray together. As we bow our heads today, I want to just remind you to be in prayer for Debbie, to be in prayer for these Gold Star families who will gather in East Texas tomorrow for a few days of rest, a few days of comfort. Whenever you think about them, just lift up one of those bullet prayers. Just ask that God's presence, his power, and his grace would be in that place over their lives. And pray for us as a church family that we will be a help and hands of healing in their lives. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we worship you. Father, this morning again, we thank you for those who serve. And Father, for those who have paid the ultimate price on our behalf for the freedoms we enjoy. We thank you and we pray, God, that by your grace, we would live lives that reflect your character and your personality, that honor the sacrifice of Jesus. that honor the sacrifice of those men and women in our armed forces who have died on our behalf. Father, this morning we pray for their families. We ask God that you would comfort them as only you can. That we would be mindful and heartful of them on a regular basis and not just one day a year. Father, we lift up this prayer. We offer ourselves anew and afresh in the powerful, the matchless name that is above every name. Jesus. Amen. Have a great week and God bless you.